Ever wonder what your therapist is really thinking? Well, that's confidential. But in this podcast, a few of my therapist friends and me show you what it's really like inside of a mental health professional's brain. Hi, welcome to Through the Eyes of a Therapist podcast. I'm Crystal Martinez Acosta, licensed professional counselor, board certified counselor. We discuss books, movies, TV shows, motherhood, current events, clinical issues, mental illness, trauma, and our own personal lives. So if you want to know what we're thinking, come on in, take a listen. Come see what the world is like through the eyes of a therapist, the podcast that destigmatizes mental illness, humanizes therapists, and demystifies therapy. Okay, we are back on the podcast, and my next guest is April Snow. I found her on Instagram through a page called Sensitive Therapist. And so I've been following her content for a couple of years, and I really gravitated toward it because I read a book a few years ago called The Highly Sensitive Person. And if you're not familiar with that book, I suggest you read it because it's very insightful. And after doing some self-discovery homework and things like that assigned by my own therapist, I've realized that I tend to be on this spectrum towards the more sensitive type of person. I wouldn't say I'm totally, totally sensitive, but I would say that I'm a more sensitive type of person either like emotionally, physically, and especially with like sensory input and things like that. And we'll kind of talk about that as we get into the podcast and before I keep covering more material because (laughs) I get really excited and passionate about this topic in particular just because I really identify with it personally. Um, Let's introduce my guest and let her talk about herself. Let me introduce April Snow. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on, Crystal. I'm excited. Yes, thank you so much for agreeing to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, absolutely. So I am a psychotherapist in California. I'm LMFT uh, for the therapists out there. I'm also an author and a consultant. And with all these things, I am immersed in the world of highly sensitive people. Um, So I work with highly sensitive clients. I consult with highly sensitive therapists. And then I write things for highly sensitive folks that are trying to kind of move past all the overwhelm and feeling misunderstood to a place of being able to embrace their sensitivity and feel like, oh, there's actually good parts of it, right? There's once we start to understand ourselves more, we can embrace the strengths of having this trait. So that part of the work is really exciting for me to see people come through that process. That's awesome. So most of your clients are highly sensitive people. 100% of them are. (laughs) 100% of them. That's why people at this point, that's why people come to work with me. And because either they already knew that they were highly sensitive or they read something on my blog or my website and like, oh, that's me. That fits me. Yeah. So it's beautiful to get to work with people that are just discovering or have already known about it, but want to go deeper. That is so cool. Wow. So you're super niched. Super niche. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's kind of amazing because I really think about you know, younger therapists and therapists Mm -hmm. that are in training that think about like, oh, I just want to be like a generalist and I want to treat all the people under the sun. But really, you know, there is a population that you can feel authentic with. And do you identify as a sensitive person as well? 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm a highly sensitive introvert. You can also be extroverted for those folks out there that are not sure you can be both. Um, but yeah, I'm a highly sensitive introvert. And I discovered that I was a highly sensitive person and that that was even a thing. And I read Dr. Aaron's book, The Highly Sensitive Person, as I was becoming a therapist, like even before in grad school. So these two parts of my experience really paralleled each other. So I was that baby therapist who thought, I want to work with HSPs exclusively and got the support to do that. So I, I was able to niche right away. Although, you know, as I went through the journey, I've got more and more specific or more and more clear about what that looks like. But yeah, I was, I was very young in my therapist life when I decided I'm going to only work with HSPs pretty cool but it sounds like it's because you were developing your identity pretty strongly early on at the same time exactly and it was such an impactful revelation for me as a person because I already knew I was introverted and I was trying to figure out like why do I feel differently why do I experience the world a little bit differently why I just was seeing things through a different lens and I didn't have the language for that and then once I got it I was like this is it this my whole life lit up and I could see a lot of people talk about this when you realize that you kind of look at everything in your past differently and it starts to make sense through that lens. So I was really charged up about working with clients and helping them have a similar experience. And so far it's going great. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, I had a similar experience, but I think that let's just take a real quick pause and Mm -hmm. maybe describe what a highly sensitive person is. I know that like me and you live in this world and I Mm -hmm. think we both identify as highly sensitive people. And so we're like, yeah, let's just like roll with that. And we're going (laughs) down the hill together, but it's just like, we should probably pause um, (laughs) before we continue. Um, So could you describe what that might look like and maybe help folks identify if they might be a highly sensitive person? person too? Yeah, it's a great question because even some therapists haven't heard about this because the research is, you know, relatively new the last 30 years or so. Um, But yeah, being highly sensitive is something you're born with. Um, It's a trait that exists in about 20% of the population. Doesn't matter your gender, your race or anything. Um, You have an equal chance of being highly sensitive. And you tend to show up in four different characteristics. So you tend to be a deep thinker. You take more time to process your experiences. You might need more time in transitions, right? So you might have been that child that was called like slow to warm or shy when really you just kind of observant and wanted to take things in first. That's the most, that's the biggest part of the trait. Although most people think it's about being emotionally sensitive. That's not true. You do have a wider range of emotions, like you'll feel the little things really deeply, you get really excited about like a tree or a bird or a painting or something. So that's kind of one of the, I'd say the gifts of the trade is you get to take really a lot of joy out of like the little mundane things of life. And you also on the flip side, you'll feel the hardships a lot more too, right? So it, it kind of spans the whole spectrum there. And then you're more aware of subtlety. So you're the person that notices when someone's upset before they even say it right you kind of pick up the energy in a room and you might notice when someone gets a haircut that no one else notices right or if something's out of place you're just aware of more you have more perception of your environment and as you can imagine processing more feeling more being more aware you're going to be overwhelmed more right so that's kind of the downfall Um, but 
when you're feeling balanced and you've got your self-care game on, you're actually going to thrive more than other people that aren't highly sensitive. So that's kind of like the superpower of the trait, being more resilient. Yeah. And I think that you've also described, and I wonder if there is a parallel slash kind of overspill into some Mm -hmm. of the introversion traits, because I also read this book called The Power of the Introvert. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've read that one before. And it's, they describe some similar traits about how you just have a wider perception of things and you notice Mm -hmm. small details that maybe others don't notice. And Mm -hmm. maybe you pick up on emotions just because you're more observant and you you do less of the externalizing and more of the like taking in of things, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why a lot, it's funny, I've met so many sensitive extroverts who think they're introverts for that reason. I'm like, no, you're, you're an extrovert. I can see it, right? There's more like, um, you're pulled more for socializing and socializing groups or having more novelty. Uh, but yeah, that's why I can get a lot of people think, oh, introversion and high sensitivity are the same because yeah, you are more introspective. You are needing more quiet time. You are, you know, noticing more when you're kind of more um, internally focused, right? Or you kind of hang back a little bit more that you can be more observant. So, yeah, there's definitely some overlaps there between the two, Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, I can't help but think of one of my friends who's a therapist who has been on the podcast before, and her name is Elisa. Mm -hmm. And she talks to me often about how she gets overwhelmed with things and... um, I also think that's probably why she's a good therapist is because she's perceptive as well. And I think we can Mm -hmm. get into this a little bit later, too, about why maybe this superpower of being a highly sensitive person can make us maybe better therapists. I don't want to, like, antagonize anybody or, like, make anybody feel bad, right? But I feel like because we just have this extra, mm, what is it? I don't know. Ability. Yeah. I mean, one thing, I don't know if I mentioned this in the characteristics, but another part of having like the higher emotional range is we are more naturally empathetic as sensitive people. So, and it's physiological. Ah, Our, Our mirror neurons are more active. So there's been brain studies that have shown that, which at a very, very like basic physiological level, that means we're just, we're better at like mimicking and learning and like picking up on social cues. And that is an advantage as a therapist, being more empathetic. And also, it makes it harder sometimes, right? Because it's easier to get burned out when you're actually taking on people's emotional experiences and living it. Right. And I think this is a good segue into talking a little bit about why maybe being a sensitive therapist in particular can be draining. Yeah. And I think the empathy is one of the big pieces so it's funny I always used to like elevate empathy like oh empathy is my greatest gift as a therapist and then I was doing a training with Deb Dana who's talks about polyvagal theory and she introduced some studies that talk about oh we want to lead with sympathy instead of empathy and I was like oh no 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 sympathy is less effective than empathy but it's like you don't want to be trying on everyone's emotions right that's a straight road to burnout Really, you want to kind of hold them outside of yourself. I just think about it. If you're going through session to session to session, you're stepping into these completely different emotional landscapes every single hour. And then having that emotional response, which for an HSP then sparks our own emotional response. So as in, you know, our brains are wired for like really um, thorough memory recall. So anytime we have an experience, our brain cues up what are the similar experiences 
So as you can imagine, if your client's going through something, you're empathizing with it, you're feeling it, it's going to take you to your own emotional experiences, even at a very subtle level. And that is very draining. And then your brain is like, oh, now I need to process all this information on top of feeling it. There's a lot happening inside for a therapist. And then to switch every hour into another different emotional experience. And then at the end of the day, you're holding all of that at once in this big mass. I just, even talking about it, my shoulders want to drop down. It's heavy. It's a lot to carry. Yeah. I started to get like tension in the back of my shoulders when you were talking about it, actually, because... One, it's kind of a relief to have somebody articulate that experience because I think when I'm talking to other therapists who are not highly sensitive, they can relate up to a certain point and they can be like, oh, yeah, it is draining to hear this and that hour after hour. And I'm like, "Mm, but if you're a highly sensitive therapist, which maybe they've never even heard of before, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a dismissive experience to have to talk to them about like what I go through or what a highly sensitive therapist goes through and how that's different. And then it almost becomes like this weird competition sort of thing. And I don't, it's not a pleasant experience. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's a weird thing to have to describe to another therapist who's not highly sensitive, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Because I mean, for us, Hearing our client's stories, I think, is often a very visceral experience, right? A lot of different parts of us are lighting yeah. up. And if you don't live that experience, because, you know, we're, we're literally wired differently. You know, high sensitivity could fall under the, the neurodiversity umbrella because literally our brains are different. And there's lots mm-hmm. of studies that show that lots of different parts of the brain um, operate more intensely. Um, more parts of the brain will operate simultaneously than a non-sensitive, per- a non-HSP. Um, so if you haven't lived that experience, you can't possibly understand it, right? Just like I couldn't understand how some people, they do all these things and they don't get overwhelmed or they see 30 clients a week and it's totally fine. And then they go out after and socialize, (laughs) right? No, thanks. And for me, I'm like 12 is, I start to feel overwhelmed, but it can start to feel a little competitive, right? Like, Ooh, how many clients are you seeing a week? Or, you know, what are you doing? What trainings are you doing? Or what, you know, all the things we can get stuck on that. Yeah, yeah, I know. And, <laughs> Take a breath. Yeah, I'm like, oh, let me breathe about that. I was getting overwhelmed. And yeah. I, the thing that keeps coming to my mind, the phrase that comes to my mind as I'm talking to you about these experiences is just the acute awareness, Yeah. right, of like having empathy with people. Mm-hmm. It hits us different. It hits different. It does. <laughs> because it's not... Um, it's empathy, but it's like our neurons are on fire. Yes. And it's I, almost yes. like we were there or we are there, but it's like empathy to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. Like I can't describe it to somebody. I guess I'm thinking of the audience and how this would sound to somebody. Um, but I can't I can't think of how that would sound <laughs> I, <laughs> and yeah. how to describe it to somebody. Well, I think of it as not saying that we're empaths because that's a whole different thing. Um, but, oh, okay. But I like to think of a distinction between being empathetic and being empathic, right? Being empathetic, like, yeah, you can kind of touch into the experience. You kind of have a sense of what it's like, but being empathic, you're literally living it, right? As if it were your own. I think that's what maybe you're speaking to. Like, it feels like it's ours a lot of the times, at least for me. Like, I feel like, oh, I went through that when it's not mine yes. as the client. So then I wonder, and this is just, I don't know if it's a question specifically for you it's just hypothetical like I'm just thinking out loud right like 
What I'm wondering is if there's a direct correlation for highly sensitive therapists to get like more burned out or burned out more quickly Thousand than percent. the average therapist. Okay. Thousand percent. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, without, you know, proper downtime or having a sustainable schedule, you know, without time to process all the things that we're taking in every day leads right to overwhelm, which then maybe leads to burnout, which can lead to physical illness or mental illness. Like it's a whole, I feel like it's just this spiral that can happen or this unraveling when we're not able to take care of ourselves and get our needs met. And we have different needs. So we might not even always know what those needs are Hmm. because they don't look like what everyone else's needs are. Yeah. And I feel like that might be hard to explain to employers and things like that, right? Like at a maybe an agency where there's a focus on productivity or mm-hmm. seeing so many clients. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can remember back in the day, I mean, this was only, what, two years ago, where I was working at an agency and feeling extremely overwhelmed and I burned out, horribly hit the ground, mm-hmm. like smoke and burning hit the ground. <laughs> like, yeah, crispy burned out. Crispy, crunchy burned out. It yeah. was really... A terrible experience and I feel like I wonder how I even survived that situation there might have been mm-hmm. a level of dissociation to be honest I have to say yeah sometimes you do need to detach right to get through it yeah mm-hmm. and I think you know that might have been a coping mechanism for me and it makes sense now that I'm putting you know two and two together as we're talking if I'm super intensely and acutely aware of what's happening with my clients and in my environment and if I'm picking up cues from Mm -hmm. what's going on with my supervisors and how terrible that experience was and whatever it is right and how the environment was making me sick and everything it was just like I'd rather just detach (laughs) well right because you're reading into everything right because you know I've talked to so many sensitive therapists in like my Facebook community or on Instagram who work in agencies and it's it. It's not just that I'm seeing too many clients. Is oh, I'm reading between the lines between these tense interpersonal dynamics, right? Between the therapist or between the supervisors and the therapist or just the energy of or like the culture of the agency in general is not supportive, right? So there's so many factors and it's hard to detach because mm-hmm. you're, I mean, that's why HSPs exist where we survive through the centuries because we're good at picking up the little nuances that no one else notices the little dangers that no one else will see, that's our job, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it's a really hard job in modern times, especially if you are in an environment that it could be therapist or not therapist, you know, a corporate environment where you're, everything's about the numbers, the quotas, the productivity, instead of the person and what they have to offer. Because a sense mm-hmm. of therapist has a lot to offer, but very rarely will they thrive long-term, could be short-term, but long-term in an environment that doesn't, see them, doesn't understand them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So if we could give advice to somebody who is in, I guess, in a management position or supervising a sensitive Mm -hmm. therapist, I'm wondering what we could say to them. Hmm. I would say just don't put them in a box, right? Don't miss what they have to offer trying to, you know, conform them with everybody else. Because whatever industry it is, especially therapists, you know, this person's going to have very unique things to offer, like their their empathy, their their depth, right? Their ability to connect with lots of different people. 
their innovativeness, their creativity, right? If you give an HSP or an HST a little bit of space, they're going to come up with some amazing ideas because they are picking up on all the little cues. Their intuition is really strong. They're going to be able to see it, see down the line with what could go wrong and how to fix it. So yeah, don't put them in a box. Focus on their strengths. Give them what they need to thrive, right? Whether that's an extra day off a month or a slightly lower caseload or a little much more time to get notes done, right? Whatever it is. And that therapist is going to, I mean, they're going to deliver because they're, you know, in the right environment, they're going to be super dedicated and passionate about their work. Absolutely. I agree 100%. But it has to be sustainable. Absolutely. Sustainable is a really good way to describe that because I think... HSPs can't be in environments where we feel unsafe or we are just working to survive. We have to be thriving. We need to be invested, right? Mm -hmm. I think the worst thing you could do for an HSP is take the meaning out of their work. Yeah. Right? There's got to be some type of personal attachment or fulfillment happening. It's got to mean something. I completely agree. So I think that along with caseloads and creating that, I guess, emotional space or distance with clients, Mm -hmm. what are some other things that you would recommend? Or maybe we can talk about why it's important to be aware of yourself as a highly sensitive person and therapist and engage in self-care and maybe boundary setting. Yes, absolutely. I mean, because we are more likely to get burned out, because we are taking on the work in a much deeper way, And also because no one else really understands what our needs are because they're not living it, right? Or they may have a different set of needs. Yeah, that self-awareness is really key. And I always say like, oh, an HSP just needs downtime, right? But I think we have to go a step, we need to back up a step and say, oh, what we really need first is to understand ourselves. What does it mean to be a highly sensitive person? Why do I have different needs? Okay, and then what are those needs? So yeah, bringing awareness. So if you do think you're highly sensitive, checking that out, like spending a little time, like am I more emotional? Am I more empathetic? Do I need more time at night to process my day? You know, starting to understand yourself a little bit more is going to be really important. And then those boundaries come in to get your needs met. So yeah, you might need more time to wind down at night or take more vacations if that's accessible to you or spread out your sessions more. There's lots of things that kind of happen in the day to day. Like that's why I always like ask folks about their schedule and about their practices. Cause like for me, I, I know I'm privileged in this way. I have 30 minutes between my sessions. That's just how, what I need to survive. And, you know, I do have a private pay practice. So that gives me the, the luxury of that. But even just a few more extra minutes or having, if you can't do that, maybe having a little bit of a longer lunch break and then really protecting that time, right? I know it feels like, oh, five minutes here or there isn't a big deal. It really is. So instead of socializing between sessions or on your lunch break, protect that time as much as you can. So there's just these little things that build up that make a big difference. Absolutely. For example, when I'm done with my day, I need my wind down time. Like, leave me alone. Mm -hmm. Like right now I'm recording in my closet and have a little poof in here. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I'll just come in here and hide (laughs) after my sessions. Or if I need some alone time, I know that I need to just be without any stimulation, like no TV, like no electronics, like no doom scrolling. I just need to stay away from all of it and just kind of be in, in silence or darkness. Like I don't like a lot of light either. Um, And tags on clothing i've cut everything off of the back (laughs) yeah 
that's the first thing when I get something, you know, like tags are coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If not, I'm like reaching mm-hmm. back there all day, you know. Exactly. Right. Because you're just aware of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've got to have like my hair trimmed because of like the split ends. Like they'll be poking through mm-hmm. my shirt. Like I just notice mm-hmm. weird things like that. And I just can't. Yeah. I have to make sure my glasses aren't sliding down my face because I can feel like every single like little thing exactly. that bothers me. <laughs> Yeah, and I love that we're saying this because that's one of the the pieces of being highly sensitive. You just notice everything, right? And it's hard to turn that awareness off. And yeah, if, I mean, I hear, I've done this too, like after a day's worth of hearts, it like go just lay down in the dark, right? Because it does, it takes all the sensory input down, that overstimulation down. It's like some people might think, oh, that's weird to do. You're laying in the dark in the middle of the day. But why not if it helps you recharge and kind of settles your nervous system? Because, you know, we have more being more aware and kind of attuned is, you know, our nervous systems are more likely to get activated. So it's important to just take some time to soothe and kind of come back to baseline. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I love to hear that, what you're doing, these little tricks. Yeah, little, take care of yourself. little things. I also wonder if yeah. you've ever tried like a float tank? I haven't. It's on my curiosity list. Um my wife has done it, but I haven't. I'm I'm really, I'm definitely curious though, because it sounds delightful. And I know lots of other HSTs, highly sensitive therapists who have and use that as part of their self-care practice. It's pretty amazing. You love it? I, yeah. If I could maybe make that something into, if I could turn that into a ritual, because it's a little pricey mm-hmm. and it's kind of out of my way, like where I live, mm-hmm. I would probably do it more often. But it's complete, like, you know, just darkness and, you know, the water is like the same temperature as your body. So it Mm, kind mm -hmm. of just takes away all sensation. And so it's just a very um, calming experience. But I have to say for people, I think, who are not highly sensitive or like really extroverted, like my husband, he would not enjoy that. Or like people who are just like on the go, I think that it gives them anxiety to be in there. Yeah, right. Because slowing down for some folks is more activating. That's a good thing to name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other thing that I think I'm curious about as far as if maybe we can just talk about it and have a conversation about because Mm -hmm. to be honest, I'm a little excited because now I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I identify with somebody and like these, um, Yeah. yeah, like these experiences are not foreign to somebody else. Right. It's so good, right? When you have someone like, ah, you get it. It's so good. Right. Like, you get me. This is so great. I know. I mean, other than my friend Elisa, but also, like, when we're drained at the end of the day, it's like, okay, like, how often do we talk about this, right? So anyways, but it's so nice to have somebody else that's, like, it makes her and I feel like we're not totally misunderstood or, like, disconnected Mm -hmm. or just kind of, like, out there, you know? Like, yep. I totally get it. Yep. So my last thing that I'm wondering if we can talk about is just how we manage kind of like our own feelings or triggers in session. Yeah. You know, we talked about empathy and and maybe how sympathy can be useful. And I had never really thought of that Mm -hmm. before. And I think I'm going to have to try that. But it was a, a, it was like this really big revelation for me because I had elevated empathy to such a high plane, like the golden rule or the gold, the standard. Mm -hmm. And then realized that 
it's not sustainable to always be empathizing with everything. Like, can I just touch into the client, what the client is feeling without taking it through myself? Mm. Right. So yeah, we, you know, talking about that, like, okay, there's empathy. We're feeling the client's experience, but yeah, we're also having an experience in the session, Mm -hmm. right? Our emotions are coming. We can get activated. A lot of times we do at some level. So I think it's really important to think about how we're starting off that session, right? Because what we do before and after the session is so important. It's something I've been trying to work on myself this these past couple of months. You know, giving yourself the chance to start the session as regulated as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just talking about this with my own supervisor, now consultant person that I worked with as when I was pre-licensed, but um, making sure I'm not just rushing, even though I have a good amount of time, like sometimes I'll just like, oh, that session's done. I'm moving on to the next session. But what about processing what just happened, right? What am I noticing? What am I feeling? What happened for me in that session? And just intentionally setting it down. So now, and then part of that work is um, at, before the session starts, taking a baseline. Where am I at? What am I holding going into this session? What might I need to do to take care of myself during the session? Um, because that's also important. And then what am I feeling after? So then actively monitoring myself at every step can take a little bit more work but also super important. So like during the session, you know, I often will kind of, okay, how am I breathing? Am I getting more anxious? Am I starting to kind of shut down a little bit? You know, what's going on for me? Okay, what does that mean about what the client's going through? Because sometimes it's easy to kind of lose yourself in the session, right? Mm -hmm. And then by the end of the session, feel completely dysregulated or not really understand what happened. So I've been just trying to slow things down in the session and stay in contact with myself. I do that a lot of different ways. Like I have those like spiky massage balls that I'll use under my feet during um, telehealth sessions to keep me kind of alert and grounded or I'll sip water or I'll do some visualization where I kind of imagine, you know, what the client's sharing with me, just kind of floating away or giving it back to them, whatever feels right. There's so many ways to do it, Mm. but just trying to be more intentional overall what's happening for me and giving myself space to process it. And then if something's coming up, Maybe co-regulating with the client, right? Maybe they need some of that too. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in what sense would you co-regulate? I think some of my efforts in co-regulating would be making a comment or not necessarily mm-hmm. interrupting their process, but yeah, I think we have to be careful and strategic, right? So that we're not interrupting their work or, you know, laughing off trauma or something like that. Sure. But how do you think you would do that? Yeah, I think that's a really good point that you want to honor their process and not redirect to make it about you (laughs) as a therapist, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? And I I will notice though, like let's say I take a baseline and there's certain clients that if they're anxious or if they're overwhelmed, they'll get headaches and I'll I'll get a headache when I start their session with them or I'll start to feel like this sudden spike of anxiety and I know it's not mine because I've just checked in. So I might say something like, oh, I'm I'm noticing there's a feeling of anxiety in the room. Are you picking that up or what's going on for you? I'll make it about them if I'm giving like a process reflection or process statement. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'll make sure it's it feels th- the timing is right. Or I might wait and just observe the client. Okay, I'm feeling some anxiety. What do I notice in their body language? Is their breathing shallow? Um, are they fidgeting? Are they talking quicker than they normally are? And, you know, certain clients are going to give certain cues that I can pick up on. And then I'll say, I might say like, oh, I notice you all of a sudden are talking a lot faster. What are you noticing? And like, oh, I'm feeling anxious. Okay, how about we work with that? And then I might take them into a regulation practice. 
but yeah, it's going to be different with every client and every situation, but yeah, definitely monitoring or being aware of and intentional of them and not being disruptive Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, because that can be triggering for them, right? For so many reasons to get interrupted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I'd imagine that with your clients, because you're working with HSPs, Mm -hmm. that's really useful and like resource building for them. Absolutely. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It becomes part of the work. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. I see where you're going with it. That's pretty neat. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. (laughs) I mean, HSP clients are amazing to work with. And, you know, they'll pick up on some really subtle shifts in me, too. Like, even if they, we've I've talked about this with certain clients where they'll say, oh, you know, it's just the niceties at the beginning. How are you doing? And I've had clients tell me, I can tell how you're doing by how you answer that question. Even if the words are the same. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's true. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And then we can also pick up on how people are doing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't let my clients get away with that question. Like, 100% of the time, it's always like, oh, I'm I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm like, is that like the socialized answer that we're taught to like give? I'm I'm okay. How are you? Or are you, you're really not okay, right? And yeah, today was really crappy. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, there it is. (laughs) Let's go. Yeah, I love it. Let's go deep, right? Yeah, like, let's just, you know, let's cut through that. (laughs) (laughs) So that's awesome. Yeah. I'm really glad that we have this conversation and that we're shedding light on what our experiences as sensitive therapists has been like and what it is like. And Mm -hmm. hopefully other therapists out there that are listening to this don't feel so alone in their experiences anymore either. Or if you're not a highly sensitive therapist and you do know a highly sensitive therapist and have identified a colleague as such, now that you've heard us talk, you know, now you know how to handle them with care. (laughs) Exactly. Or how to think about clients that might be highly sensitive as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Are there any final thoughts that you want to um, highlight or anything that you think that we missed? No, I just want to say I really enjoyed this conversation, just getting to share more about what our experiences are like as highly sensitive therapists, some of the more difficult experiences, but also some of the, the joys, right, of being able to go deep with clients and be able to notice things that maybe others would miss, I think can be really healing and supportive for clients and just let's make sure we don't forget to direct some of that same care back to ourselves, right? Because when we do have enough downtime and we get some like really fulfilling self-care, things that are meaningful to us, we can really thrive as therapists, right? We're really well suited for this work. It's just about finding the right environment and the right balance. Yep, absolutely. A hundred percent. I agree. And can you tell us where we can find you and how we can get into contact with you or follow you on socials? Sure. Yeah. So pretty much everything that I have to offer, you'll find at aprilsnowconsulting.com, links to the Facebook group, uh, my Instagram. I have some courses if you need a little boost with your practice. Everything is there. And I have a free sustainable practice checklist, which I think folks often appreciate. Just start to thinking about this through a different lens. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Same. This has been a joy. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you, April. Thanks for listening to Through the Eyes of a Therapist podcast. Rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And please connect with me, Crystal Martinez Acosta, licensed professional counselor, on Instagram at Through the Eyes of a Therapist pod. More information about booking me for therapy or training can be found there. Until next time, keep on fighting the stigma 
and go to therapy. I'll see you next time.